Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, UFC 271 is just one day away, and coming up on today's show, I'll give you my official predictions for Lewis and Tiavasa, Adesanya, and Whitaker in their rematch. I'm also going to talk to you about Izzy's new contract, plus a story about George Masvidal that I have to begin the show with. All of that coming up in just a moment, but first, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors. Do you guys ever feel like you need a little boost of mental and physical energy, but you don't feel like drinking coffee? Or maybe you need a little more mental focus to get that work project finished. Allow me to introduce you to one of my go-tos, Kratom by Super Speciosa. It's an all-natural Indonesian tropical leaf from the same family as the coffee plant. It's been used for centuries to promote energy and wellness. Super Speciotus Kratom is pure and unadulterated. All plant and no synthetic, just pure Kratom leaf. It's available in capsules, tea bags, and powder. I prefer capsules. It can be used as a natural pre-workout and it also helps with recovery. It's helped energize my mind, but also relax my body. Super Speciota products are recognized by the American Kratom Association, and let me tell you guys, that's a big deal, because there's a lot of synthetic Kratom products out there. If you'd like to give it a try, go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash jail. If you've never taken Kratom before, try it from the capsule form. Super Speciosa guarantees 100% satisfaction or your money back. No gimmicks. Go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash jail and get 20% off with promo code CHAIL. That's GetSuperLeaf.com slash CHAIL and use the promo code CHAIL to save 20% today. So let me give you guys some history with me and George Mosvidal. And Mosvidal is one of these guys I'm very proud of. And proud, he's a grown man, I'm a grown, we're friends. It's kind of weird to say you're proud of a guy, but I don't know a different word. Like, I watched Mosvidal. We came up together. We were in an organization called Bodog. Now, a lot of people didn't see Bodog, but boy, do I ever have some great memories. And there was some incredible fights. There was some incredible fighters. But it was one of these things that it didn't get off the ground. And Bodog even had a television deal, which is very hard to get right now, but nearly impossible back then. They had one, but it wasn't live. So we would hold the fights, and three months later, they would then come to TV. And you know, There's two things that you have to have live, news and sport. So it was just a very... A uh, tough situation. I'm offering you that because I'm telling you how great it was. And it really was. But it had all the pieces, but not just perfectly aligned in the in the right places. So Bodog ended up flashing the pan. Ended up being gone. But a lot of us, and I know if Masvidal was here, he would tell you the same thing. We have some of our best memories, some of our best experiences. And I remember the first time I ever put eyes on George Masvidal. Short-haired, skinny kid. I want to say he was 21 years old. I'm in Russia, 
and we're in a back room that has been all designed just for these fights. And we're going to, we're going to stay there for three days. They did entire fights all day for three days. There was like 41 fights, but that's, what's going to get packaged and released out on, it's called the ION channel for the next seven or eight months to come. All right. Masvidal, this skinny young boy comes walking to the ring, but he's going to take on Steve Berger. Now, Steve Berger was a many-time UFC veteran. Steve Berger was a rough guy. And back in this day, if you could put UFC veteran next to your name on any program or flyer or poster on a regional show, it would sell out. You could be from Iowa fighting in Portland. No one from Portland even knows. None of your friends, none of your neighbors, none of your coworkers. Portland would sell out. Just because there's a guy that used to be in the UFC. So this is Berger, and Berger's also established. And I get that Masvidal's 21. Some of you guys are going to say he's a man. You're, you're, you're really not. You kind of become a man in terms of having your strength, having control of your body, closer to 25. So you got Masvidal, who's a boy. He's going to take on Berger, who's a man. Nobody knows who Masvidal is. He's got this short little haircut and a tattoo on his neck. And Berger's a rough guy we, we've seen fight on television many times. So Masvidal comes to the ring. I don't know who he is. He just comes walking in the building to the ring. He's got his shirt off. I remember this. Skinny, 155 pounds, and he didn't have to cut to make it. He gets to the ring, and he starts yelling at Berger. Berger's already in the ring. Masvidal is down on the floor and starts yelling to him. And I can't hear what he's saying, but I'm trying, and I'm right there, but his back was, I just, I couldn't quite hear, but he was threatening. He was threatening Berger during the fight. So Masvidal, at some point in this fight, it's a three-round contest, it goes all 15 minutes, but at some point in this fight, in this little back room in Russia, and I remember Jake Allenberger was there, Cain Velasquez was there, I mean, there was some real hammers at this event, but it's still just us, there's no fans, it's just the fellow fighters, 40 fights, everybody's got a corner man, we got a crew of about 120 plus staff members, we are the audience. At some point in this fight, Masvidal gets on top. So Berger's on his back in his guard. Masvidal's on top. Masvidal postures up just like you would do if you were to start raining down some really big shots, elbows or punches, and he does. He sits up, takes his eyes off Berger, starts having a conversation with the ring card girl, and he's punching the UFC veteran in his face. So the girl actually responded in some fashion. She was caught very off guard. Berger starts to scramble out. Masvidal stops him, returns so that he's positioned towards the ring car girl, pops back up and finishes asking her out. Truly said, do you, hey, would you like to get, I'm a little bit busy right now, but I'm going to be free later. You got dinner plans. She responded. So he does it a third time. At some point in that fight, he came back and he said, hey, I'm almost done here. And keeps fighting. This was the whole thing. And I remember I watched this fight with Matt Linlin, and I remember slapping Matt Linlin on the knee, and I said, we need to get him and Nate Diaz. I apologize, Nick. We need to get this Masvidal guy and Nick Diaz together. That was my thought. And Matt Linlin's just nodding his head, yes, oh my God. Can't take my eyes off this guy. Okay. Fast forward four months. We're in Trenton, New Jersey. Big, huge show, the Bodog Championship, all sorts of names that you guys would recognize. Eddie Alvarez, the main event that night. This is just outside of his hometown. Masvidal fights on the card and Masvidal wins. Don't forget, this is on television. Even if it's going to be delayed, it's on television. Masvidal fights, Masvidal wins. And Masvidal would just like to thank one person, which is his dad. 
said, my father is on parole in Florida and he's not allowed to leave the state, but he snuck out just to watch his little boy. <laughs> the, camera, the camera cuts over and puts old man Masvidal on TV. And he's, you know, he, he took it. Like, yeah, I'm on a parole violation. <laughs> Here I am. Not only a crime, but he documented the crime of which he was outed for said crime by his victorious son. And again, I'm there with Matt Lindland. This time we happen to be in the back and we are dying. We are dying, jaws on the floor. Who the hell is this Masvidal guy? We keep seeing him fight. He does not look very intimidating, but he's got a, he's got the eye of the tiger in his eyes, but the rhythm is a 55-pounder. He's skinny. He had no body. Here he was 21. He was a boy. But he's beating everybody. He's beating everybody. We're going all over the world. This one thing's consistent. Masvidal's arm keeps on going up, and something interesting comes out of his mouth. So he gets on his run in the UFC. And I remember when he got here, I was not off the Masvidal-Nick Diaz fight. I'm still on board with that, but now we're separated in weight classes. Looked like maybe it wasn't going to happen, but I did have a number of conversations, just privately, just with friends, and I would keep on saying that. Hey, the first time I ever saw this guy, I, he should fight Nick Diaz. Could you imagine how fun this would have? Could you imagine how great this would be? And I had other people going along with me, but it just never uh, uh, never materialized. Masvidal wasn't getting very far in the UFC. He did not have the kind of career I thought he was going to have. I was very interested in the guy. I liked the guy. But it just didn't catch on. And that's to you guys. You'd have to tell me why. He, but he just didn't. This was not a marquee guy. This is going to be a rough night out for anybody. He's going to win some. He's going to lose some. He's not going to be a main event. He's going to have a career for a while. One of those types. Okay. That's a great spot. Takes one hell of a tough guy to get to that spot. But that's still the ceiling. So finally, we've had enough of Masvidal. Masvidal gets in something in the back in England with Leon. It's not good. It was compelling as hell. We've all watched it and rewatched it, but it wasn't, that wasn't good. Masvidal's not going to get to get in there with Leon. Masvidal is going to be fed to slaughter by the one style that will make a kickboxer in Masvidal look bad wrestling. So he's going to be toted on out in a co-main event spot. He's going to be the next victim of Ben Askren. The absolute worst matchup he could ever have. Masvidal did not blink an eye. Now, I would imagine inside Masvidal had some reservations. Because Masvidal at that time, he's probably got more confidence now, at that time would tell you what I just told you, which is this is the single worst style I could fight. If I could pick anybody just style-wise, that's the one I'm not picking. But he stayed calm. It was a real demeanor thing. See, the, the, the demeanor matters, though. How he went out there and did it, the way he looked in doing it, is what then you guys decided made him cool. So he goes out against Ben Askren, the one style he can't deal with, the one guy that nobody's been able to beat, gets the five-second knockout, gets talked about on national news, and draws himself into a title fight at the Mecca Madison Square Garden with not Nick Diaz, but Nate Diaz. Now, he grew his hair out, <clears throat> simple marketing trick, but he did it. He did look very different. He changed the kind of shirts he was wearing. He started hanging around with some more popular guys. I remember Hands of Stone, Roberto Duran came to the arena to watch him, might have even cornered him, but he, he had some of these things, just little flair. He starts showing up at different shows. One time he's in another cool robe, again with the long hair, and all of a sudden he's over. That's it. The guy's a star. The same guy that asked out the ring card girl in Russia, the same guy 
who outed his father for a federal offense on national television, the same guy that was supposed to meet his maker against Ben Askren, is now the coolest guy in the sport. What? How did this happen? And if you're not studying George Masvidal, it's very interesting. Now, some of those things I just told you, you do know. Here's something you don't know about George Masvidal. And you won't believe me unless you meet him. He is freaking smart. George Masvidal is smart on subjects that would stun you. History. World affairs. Like stuff that you have to be curious in that they didn't teach you in school. You had to either go there, talk to people, read books, or all of them. He is as sharp as... He was telling me one time, right after he won the BMF belt, he comes up to the box to do something on ESPN, and we're on a commercial break. He starts giving me a historical lesson about the political hierarchy of Panama, which he only knew about because he was fans and friends now with Roberto Duran. That's not where he grew up. I was blown away. What the hell is going on here? He's got the belt over his shoulder. He's got the hair hanging down. He's got the right to be high on life. This is on the East Coast. He shows up at 3.10 a.m. And he starts telling me this. Who is this guy? Now I'm seeing him on TV. I caught him on the news, national news the other night. And if you just look at the intellect, you have somebody that's very smart here. And he did not get to this position on accident. That's what I appreciate. If you guys just anointed him and you have done that before, you're doing it to Patty right now. You did it to Conor McGregor at one point. You just go, hey, this is our guy. We're going to ride with him. Like, that's a really cool thing. But it's hard to get there. And it didn't get there for Masvidal. Masvidal had done everything right. He'd been out there. He'd been fun. He cutting promos. He's got the look and he's got the buzzed hair and he's got the thing on his neck and he's a handsome guy. It just didn't work. For whatever reason, you guys didn't accept that. He had to change a couple of things. The interviews needed to be different. He needed a couple more compelling moments. He needed the long hair. He needed the Versace robe. There was just some things that needed to happen, but they did. And I spoke to him four years ago now. I speak to George Monsell. He calls me up and he said, I want to do your show. And he said, and can you help me get in touch with, and I can't remember who he asked for. I would imagine it was Brendan Schaub. I would imagine it was Joe Rogan, but he asked me to then put him in contact with other people. He said, look, I'm not happy. I don't qualify. I'm not high enough up on the card. They don't believe in me enough. I don't qualify for the resources of the PR team. I've got to go do it on my own. And he leveled up. He just told me this. Can you help me? Now, four years, right now I bring George Masvidal on. I would say nothing else. This is George Masvidal. You guys would go crazy. My numbers would be huge. Four years ago, I had to introduce him. Hey guys, here's a young man. He's fighting in the UFC and he's he's got a f- seven wins and four losses. And, and whatever it was, I would have had to have done that. He was not a star back then, but he wanted to be and he had a plan. That's what I liked. Some of those plans don't work out. Two plus two is not always four. But if a guy sits down strategic and cares enough about his career to come up with a plan and then follow through, pick up that phone, make those calls, ask me to introduce him, ask me to get him over here. If a guy does that, I respect it. I'm going to do whatever I can to throw an arm around that guy. It's just one of these things I don't know you guys know about George Masvidal. He could go out today and you guys will miss him. He'll be missed, he'll be remembered. He was the BMF champion. But there's more to it. And there's more how we got there. And there's a major thinker. There's a major thinker here. And as I'm watching him thinking and I'm listening to him talking as he's getting in preparation to take on his greatest rival. Colby is his greatest rival. It's not Leon. Those guys have their business, that, but that's for another day. And as I'm watching him prepare for it, I'm looking, I'm looking into his eyes, and I'm, but I'm getting into his mind. 
I'm getting into his process. And I want you guys to start following that process. I want you to start being able to identify what steps did he take? What is different now? What has changed? How did he get here? Because it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't by chance. This was a plan. He had a plan for Ben Askren. He's got a plan for Colby Covington. Whether that works or not, that's between those boys. But if you're missing this, I would argue you're missing perhaps the most interesting strategic character in the sport right now. Okay, guys, let's spend the rest of the show talking about UFC 271 and the fireworks show that I know it will be. Before we talk about the fights themselves, let's dive into some of the news that's just come out about the middleweight champion and his pocketbook. Dana White re-signed Izzy Adesanya. Guys, we didn't even know a negotiation was going on. Do you know how cool that is? Do you know how much I like to see things like this? What a guy is doing and where he's at in his career, I should never know about. Unless that's a good friend of mine and I had dinner with him and we shared stuff at the table without even saying it stays at the table. I should never know where he's at in his contract, whether he's happy or not on a contract that he signed and celebrated at one point. I should never know. The fact that Izzy was to that point of his contract. Did he have one left? Does he have three left? But they liked him so much they wanted to step in. I don't know. And I don't need to know. Nobody in my life has ever been more guilty of the expression no good deed goes unpunished than Dana White. Dana White started giving guys bonuses outside of what their contract called for. Now, if that were a public traded company, and this is a literal statement, Dana would not only be fired, he would be arrested. You cannot have that level of generosity. You cannot do it under public rules because this was a private company with him and his buddies. He could give these bonuses. When he started doing this, instead of, they should have put him on the cover of Time Magazine. They should have, they should have nominated him for awards. They should have praised this. Our own media, our own media. You guys remember these days? Locker room bonus. We had media that was disclosing what guys got paid. Now, that's very simple. That's done through the commission. That's public. You go in, you ask for I used to check it all the time. I always thought it was interesting. See what a guy's winning show was. See what a guy was leaving there with. Stay up on the issue. I found it an interesting part. But the media, because they couldn't get the actual numbers, because Dana was giving money away that he did not owe. His general, he's giving money away. Our own media tried to make it backhanded. What well, locker room bonuses? What this kind generosity? Our own media was trying to label and try to make it a derogatory. Now I only bring that to you because for somebody to be in Adesanya's spot, who is a needle mover, who is a star, who is a team player that will go with anybody in different weight classes, doesn't matter if he's going to win or lose, he's coming out to compete. He will entertain you. Adesanya, not to the level of McGregor, but in line with McGregor, has more commodity than just the performance. Every other athlete's only commodity is the performance. Okay, Adesanya will entertain you the whole way up. Adesanya will breakdance for you at a weigh-in. Adesanya is going to hype a fight. He's going to make sure you all know what it is. Adesanya is going to sell out an arena, and before he leaves that night, he's going to give the audience an added treat of lining up his next opponent. Make no mistake. I know a lot of you believe that Brunson and Cannonier are going to go out and figure out who the number one contender is. They're not. Israel Adesanya will decide 
who his next opponent is, and he will do it and reveal it to the world before he leaves the cage on Saturday night. Make no mistake about that. So if Brunson and Adesanya are passing Izzy in the hallway, that's the guy to be kissing up to right now. That's the guy to try to be gaining favor with. That's the guy to sidle up to, hey, man, you've done a great job. It'd sure be an honor if I could get back in there with you. You need to come at him the right way. And that's one way to do it. You can be nice to Adesanya. Nobody ever tries it. You could be. That will work. The other side, you're going to have to piss him off the right way. But make no mistake, in the heat of the moment, with that stick in his hand, before they fade to black and roll the credits, Adesanya will call somebody. Adesanya does everything right. And he's in a contract negotiation, and I didn't hear about it. It's the way it should be. Because it's none of my goddamn business. I should not hear about it. Champion, do you want to talk about the generosity of Dana White that he never gets credit for? That's exactly what the championship clause is. And you guys are extremely guilty, though you're great. You're great at always backing the complaining fighter. That's coming for, that does not come with any fiduciary responsibilities or principle. That comes because you're really good people. But when you're dealing with how much do you want more? That's everybody. That's every human being. There was interviews that had come out as recently as two weeks ago that Francis Ngannou was only paid $600,000. Now, we all know how the championship works, and we do all know there's back-end money. That back-end money, which is a gift out of kindness that is given exclusively by policy, not law, to champions, is going to get Francis over a million dollars. It was meant to be an incentive to promote the fight. He's going to make a million dollars back-end money plus the 600000 that was uh, disclosed, plus Reebok money, plus line himself up to stay within the contract that has the champion's clause. He's going to do all of those things on a fight that he didn't promote. It's very relevant you know that. This is a gift being given by a very generous guy. Nobody else in business will do it. Elon Musk will not do this and never has. Bill Gates will not do it and never has. Tim Cook will not do it and never has. G Steve Jobs will not do it and never has. It is the single most generous thing that I personally have been able to witness. And the mere fact that everybody wants more, that's one thing you can't do. You guys have, have heard exploiting fighters, right? You've heard that term. Do you want to know who coined that phrase, exploiting fighters? That had never been spoken before. Muhammad Ali had never used those words. Sugar Ray Leonard had never used those words. George Foreman had never used those words. Don King, Bob Arum, Eddie Hurst. No one spoke those words. Do you want to know who coined it? Dana White. You want to know the first person that thought fighters weren't being treated right? Dana White. You want to know the first person that thought contracts were not fair and they were locking guys down for too long and not giving them freedom? Dana White. It's his argument. He's the one that made it. He's also the one that came in and fixed it with 600% bottom raises in the last 15 years, giving away these championship clauses, these locker room bonuses, all things that people wanted to give him a hard time for. He's giving it away. The generosity is illegal in certain forms of business. You can't be that nice to anybody. But now he's up against the impossible task. How do you give a guy more? Whatever the number is, whatever the incentive, whatever the card play, how do you give him more? How do you do that? Okay, great. Then let's do, let's do that right now. Let's give you more. Are we good here? No, I want more. 
Okay, well, I just said, well, okay, again? All right, here, hey, change that. Let's do it again. Okay, I'm giving you more, more, anything else you need, more. Oh, my God. How do you do it? So the fact that now we've got a guy in Izzy Adesanya who's done it, who wanted no credit for I'm giving him credit for it. That's a cool move. He's the champion. He was damn near the champ champion. He's got big fights coming. I mean, I'm hearing about Kamara Usman and, and Izzy. That, I, don't, I don't know that's going to happen, but you, you hear the spot. You hear where this guy's good. You hear what he's good for at selling out and filling up arenas. He's got 50% of the record for a live audience with just 57,000 people. Izzy, this is the guy. He doesn't come to us. He doesn't go and complain. He takes opportunities. He sees the, what he has being the champion and with this clause, and as long as he keeps defending, he stays in that same bracket, it's a wonderful thing. And it shouldn't be that Izzy just signs and off you go. It shouldn't. There should be, hey, champ, congratulations. Hey, champ, good job. Hey, champ, thank you for setting an example for the locker room. At the end of the show, I'll give you my official predictions for Adesanya Whitaker 2. And coming up next, I'm going to talk to you about the heavyweight co-main event between Derek Lewis and Ty Tiavasa that I absolutely cannot wait for. That's next. But first, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors. Guys, I'm really not into fads. When it comes to my wardrobe, I keep things pretty classic and simple. In fairness, my wife helps me with that. But I got to tell you guys, I am really loving this leisure wear trend. I have some new jogger pants by Bird Dogs, and they are so darn comfortable, but you never know by looking at them. They look like khaki slacks, but with the comfort of a sweatpant. Bird Dogs have done a great job of making comfortable bottoms while keeping you looking great. They also make a great pair of shorts that come with built-in underwear. I know that may sound a bit funny, but at times for a guy, less is more, especially when it comes to gym shorts. One of my favorite parts about their pants is you can pick the length of your inseam. They offer a 6 inch, 7 inch, and 9 inch inseams. Some guys like long shorts, and some like a shorter length depending on the type of workout they're going to be doing. They've also made their products with seamless hidden pockets that'll fit an iPhone, wallet, a money clip. Bird Dogs are high quality comfort with style and functionality. Also, their marketing alone is worth checking out at their site. I gotta tell you, go to birddogs.com. Enter the promo code CHAIL. They'll throw in a free Bird Dogs whistle football. That's birddogs.com. Use the promo code CHAIL and boom, a free Bird Dogs football with your pair of Bird Dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise. Official prediction, Derek Lewis versus Ty Tiavasa. Guys, I'm very confident when I tell you Derek's going to win this fight. I even think this fight was set up for Derek to go out there and to be able to perform and do what Derek does. Now, I do not mean that as an insult to Ty. I know it sounded like one. Ty has won me over completely. I hate the shoey. I think it's disgusting. That's my opinion. That doesn't mean I hate and find Ty Tiavasa uh, disgusting. I was in T-Mobile for Ty Tiavasa's last fight. Everybody's talking about, we're going to do a shoey. Oh, it's going to be shoey. Tell me, how do you guys even know what the shoey? You don't know who Ty Tiavasa is. He walked through that curtain. 15,000 people blew their tops. 
At the point in the evening that he came out, nobody had received the reception that Tia Vasa did. Then the fight was fantastic. And the fight was fantastic because it's not what you expect. Like, you would expect this back in the 1990s. You would expect a brawling street fighter that just likes to do that on a Saturday night to do okay back in the 1990s. But now it's about skill and it's about athleticism and it's about martial arts. That's not what Tai Vasa brings. This is a street fighter. If there is anybody in major organization to this day that you could label their style as brawler, brawlers are gone until Tai Tiavasa. He walks out there Tank Abbott style. He walks you down. He is not afraid of taking a punch. He's willing to take one to give you one. It's one of those things. He's very boxing heavy. You're not going to see kicks from Tai Tiavasa. You're not going to see a lot of grappling from him. Don't expect to see a Kimura or a Go-Go Plata, right? But you're going to see a... Ones and twos. And he follows the most basic rule, which is, if I can touch you once, I can touch you again. If I can touch you twice, nothing's stopping me from three. What Coach Clayton calls punches and punches. That's Tai Tiavasa. Boom. There it is. I'm out. He's a rough brawler with great power, a great chin, who's not scared to fight. Derek Lewis is more than that. Derek Lewis has all of those same characteristics that I just named. He's a big man. He's been through the system where he had to fight. At times, he didn't even want to fight. He's not scared. And a lot of guys are. That might sound very small for you. Everybody else you're going to see on TV is going to be scared. And it's, but it's of something. Is it scared of being hit? Is it scared of failure? Is it an athlete's biggest fear, which is he's scared of exhaustion? Is he scared to go to the ground? Is he scared of just the entire atmosphere? But everybody's going to have some level of fear, except those two. It's just not the way they're wired. They're the same guy in that regard. If this was a boxing match, a pure boxing match, I think I could. I think you guys are agreeing with me that this greatly sways towards Derek. The mere fact that Derek jumped on the landmine known as Surreal Gone in Houston, his hometown, last time, goes from a championship fight to fighting a guy who isn't ranked. Can, can we all at least agree in theory somebody is returning a favor to Derek? Can we agree on that? Okay. So you guys are probably like me. You can't wait for the fight. It's going to be so fun. But you see where Derek's going to win. Hold that thought. Because then i would got to ask you the follow-up question, right? And I'm just going to say, if Derek wins, how? And you're probably going to come to the conclusion that he knocks Ty Tiavos out, that he's going to go out there and trade punches. I agree with you. But now let's just, let's just for fun, say they're going to box. We're not even calling it MMA. They're going Queensberry rules. Do you see how that just changed your opinion and you just saw, whoa, this fight just got a lot closer? This could be anybody's ball game, particularly in the first two rounds. Do you see how your mind just did that? And I only submit that for you because that's what they're going to do. Derek is a much better wrestler, but he doesn't have that fast, explosive uh, wrestling ability. He's too big of a guy. Right, a really big guy just has hard time. You gotta bend your knees, you gotta change elevation, then you gotta get a hold of your opponent. T Voss is very big around the waist. That's gonna push him out. Like there's just nowhere to nowhere for him to go. There's nowhere for Derek to turn to to He's gonna have to punch. With Ty T Vasa. And if we can all agree that in a boxing fight, they are very close, they're very competitive, particularly for the first two rounds. Derek Lewis has a significant advantage once they get to round three. That's just a built-in bright product of fighting for championships. When you are training for five-round contests, when you go out there and compete in a five-round contest, when you now no longer have a fear and you know how to pace and prepare yourself for 25 minutes, 15 minutes feels like a night off. 
And there's not very many fighters that are ever going to feel that. Being out there, I can just say I came from a wrestling background, so difficult. Seven minutes under the collegiate rules, you would be exhausted after seven minutes. But those seven minutes are still very different when a guy's trying to score points on you as opposed to 15 minutes where a guy's trying to hurt you. So you're never going to get over the hurdle of 15 minutes. That's longer than grappling matches go. That's longer than boxing matches go. That's longer than wrestling matches go. I mean, just by example, you've really got out a bite off a lot to be able to go in there and prepare and have the confidence to push for 15 minutes. And the only way you can get out of that is if you get elevated to a 25-minute fight. Now, just like I'm telling you that wrestling was the hardest thing I ever did and it was seven minutes, wrestling for seven minutes was nothing after I did MMA for 10 years. I would go in the college rooms and it'd be hard and I'd, I'd have a hard time. Don't get me wrong. But seven, it was nothing. I, the bell's up. That's it. I'm used to five minute rounds. I got, I got a three minute round. Then I got two two minute rounds. Overtime was 30 seconds. Like, this was nothing. But for me to have that, look at what I had to go through. I had to double the time and go into a different sport where a guy's trying to hurt me. And I only submit for you, you can never get out of that fear of the bubble of 15 minutes and where's my level of conditioning unless you go and do what Derek did, which is multiple main events, multiple world title fights, multiple training camps preparing for 25 minutes. So I think that's really going to help Derek. I got to give round three to Derek right now. How close can we get to round three? Because I think everybody is, is so out well, there. Somebody's getting knocked out. Don't blink, right? All that. Who wins in this fight? The fans, right? All that all that stuff that some dork says to you. But every now and then the dork's right. Like Every now and then that is, you know exactly what you're getting into. And I do think as it goes later, Derek's going to be all right. But Derek's going to take some shots in that first round. Matt Mitrion put Derek Lewis down. Surreal gone did not. And I bring up Matt Mitrion, guys, that was 15 years ago. I feel like I could come to you with a straight face and tell you, Derek Lewis has never been put down. Now, if you're a brilliant, you're saying, well, 15 years ago. I mean, what's the statute of limitations, though, right? What's the statute where you, you get a redo? When you get onto the main cards and the co-main events and the main event spots, you're selling out arenas in your hometown. Like, what's the statute? I feel as though I could tell you with a straight face, Derek Lewis has not been put down. Do I need to put a comma and finish the thought in the last 15 years? Do I have to do that? Now, there's a first time for everything, but I don't see Derek falling over. I do think Ty, and it's not because Ty's chin isn't as good as Derek, by the way. Ty takes risks. One of the reasons you all love him, it's not because he's drinking suds out of a dirty boot. It's the way that he goes out there and competes. <clears throat> when I tell you that Ty Tivas is not scared to fight, the very first guy I ever met in this sport, very first guy I ever trained with was Tank Abbott. And I'm telling you, Ty Tiavasa reminds me, the first guy ever to throw back to the great Tank Abbott where he really wants to be there. You could turn the cameras off. You could take the people away. You don't have to promise a check at the end of the night. Tank Abbott would have showed up. Ty Tiavasa is going to show up. And he's proving that walking into enemy territory of the guy's hometown who is just the number one contender. It means a lot. But there's also risk. He doesn't care. Taiti Vasa does not care if he loses this fight. He's going out there to try, but he's going out there to, to hit and hurt Derek Lewis. Whatever in the hell happens in between then, he's cool in his mind. That's a dangerous guy. This is a fun fight. I'm taking Derek. In the wrestling department, it's not close. It's Derek. In the jujitsu department, it's not close. It's Derek. They aren't going to be wrestling, and they're not going to be doing jujitsu. This isn't submission underground. This is the unified rules of MMA. And you have an up-and-comer with some fire in his hands and Ty Tivasa against a very polished, absolute upper echelon 
of heavyweight in Derek Lewis. I think that you put your Columbo rain jacket on, you go to the betting window, you put $10 down on the Black Beast. But that doesn't mean there's not a couple of question marks and it doesn't mean we're not gonna have some fun. Official prediction, Izzy Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Guys, Izzy Adesanya, right? Izzy, they've already done this. And there's nothing that's really changed. you got the same two guys in the same weight class with the same teams, the same corners, walking out to the same music, doing the same thing. What am I missing? And you really have to have that. You really do have to have an answer for what is different. Now, in all fairness, I can give you something that's different, which is they both know what they're getting into. I believe Robert Whitaker was petrified the first time they fought, and I don't know why. Because Robert Whitaker was believed by many people to be the one that was going to stop Adesanya. And don't forget, it was Whitaker who was the champion at the time. Whitaker is the one who walked out second. There was something about it that threw him off. He's been very open to get you close to what I said, but I happened to be there and I could see it. I could see it in his eyes in the walkout. I walked around Australia, even made a video checking out different coffee shops and just talking to random people. Everybody in town knew about it. There's a lot of pressure, 57,000 live people. But it was still Robert Whitaker, who I believe to be one of the great strikers ever within the division, the sport, let alone the division, against Izzy Adesanya, who's one of the great strikers ever within uh, the division and the sport. But I, I just, yeah, this is going to be close. You got the length of Adesanya, you got the power of Robert Whitaker, you got the experience of Whitaker, you got the support of the hometown. Things are going to be really great for Robert Whitaker. It was anything but that. This was one of the most uncompetitive world title fights I have ever seen. Only in that Whitaker was knocked out twice. I've never seen that before. Two different times the ref stepped in to stop the fight. And I can't remember now because it's been two or three. I can't remember how they restarted the fight. But Whitaker was knocked out twice that night and came out of it and did not want a rematch. He said as much. They tried to book a rematch. This fight was three years ago. I'm saying they tried to book it two and a half years ago. The fight was two and a half years ago. They tried to book it two years ago. What I'm saying is Robert Whitaker's fought three guys since. Dana White came out and said, this is the fight I'm going to do. The next thing you know, Whitaker's getting in there with Kelvin Gatslam, just by example. So I don't know that Whitaker wants this. And I had one of those beatings one time, guys. I never competed with anybody in my life and lost and not wanted another shot. And in wrestling, you got that a lot. Very next week, we're going to be at some other gym at some other tournament. If we both show up, I, we could try to figure this thing out. It was one of those things. Same thing happened in fighting, except for when I fought John Jones. I never asked for a rematch. I never talked about a rematch. My coach and I never sat down and studied the fight, so the next time we saw John, I'm out. I get it. It was just one of those things. And I feel as though that's what Whitaker went through. Now, in all fairness, if I was given the opportunity and asked to sign a contract and go do it again, I would have, and I would have prepared. But I wouldn't be the one out looking for it. I only suggest that because I feel like I'm right there with Whitaker. I feel like I've had the same experience that Whitaker had. Whitaker's attempting to overcome it. Now, whether Rob knows this or not, physically speaking, he has made the bigger gains. Robert Whitaker, for sure, I could bring down the tape and show it to you, has made bigger gains 
from the first time he fought Adesanya till now versus Adesanya in that fight until now. But there was a big gap. When I talk about he's making gains, there's there's still a gap. So I lean towards Adesanya and I only bring in the physicality of Robert Whitaker, what he physically has done differently, both wrestling and grappling, two very hard departments to learn while his striking and conditioning strength stayed on point. But if Robert Whitaker doesn't believe what I just said, then it's not true. If Whitaker doesn't look at the man in the mirror and know you're better tonight and you now have a plan B, because he did not have a plan B. He was not equipped with it the first time they fought. He was going to have to go out and kickbox with him. And it was going to have to be your length versus my power. That's what it was going to be. It ended up being speed mixed with length against a little bit of a frozen, right? Anderson Silva used to do this all the time. People thought he was being arrogant. People would say, oh, he's being cocky. He's being disrespectful. But it's not. Some of those movements and motions, to turn. it's like the Medusa. The Medusa will turn you to stone. Anderson Silva would give you looks. <gasps> you didn't know what was going on. Boom, boom, boom. And that's how it was just setups. That's how he would attack you. Izzy is a king of those same things. Izzy's not out there breakdancing and making fun of his opponent and writing things. That, that's a distraction. He's setting you up. He's going to come into a breakdance and kick you right in the mouth like Anderson did Vitor. I mean, I only bring that to you just so you understand that this is what Robert Whitaker was up against. He knew he was up against it. Many people thought he was going to overcome it, but we still understood what the battle was going to be. It was going to be two cage fighters out there kickboxing, and it was. That's not what Whitaker brings to the cage this time. Whitaker now brings excellent takedowns. Go see his last three fights. He now brings excellent grappling. Go see his last three fights. Against a guy in Adesanya who is damn near perfect. But if you look very closely, and you only have to go as far back as Jan Blahovich rounds four and five against Izzy Adesanya, if there's a way to beat him, it's to get his ass down and hold him there. That is not a skill that Robert Whitaker had the first time they fought. It absolutely is a skill that he has now. Problem. Same thing that Jack Hermanson faced against Sean Strickland. Before you can start the grappling. Grappling's once you get to the ground, guys. Don't forget that. Wrestling is what you do on the feet. The takedown is the wrestling, the ground, the guard work, his rubber guard, all these things that don't work. But all that stuff happens once you hit the ground. So Whitaker, who's greatly improved his grappling, do we believe that his wrestling is enough to get Adesanya down? Do we believe that Whitaker is better with the takedowns or equal to Jan Blahovich? Fair question. And I don't think that we do have that answer. Izzy Adesanya is damn good at the defensive wrestling. He's as good as Jose Aldo. But, but, what happens in between and does Robert Whitaker know this? Is Robert Whitaker in his hotel room right now thinking about the weigh-in, getting focused on the fight, and is he aware I'm not the same guy? I had one plan last time because I was only equipped with one skill. I now have two because I've taken the time to prepare. I can now do two things. To Adesanya. If Whitaker knows that, you're going to have a very different fight. If Whitaker does not know that, you're going to have a very different fight. That was a one-sided ass-whipping that should have been stopped in the first round and was stopped in the second round. That is not happening here. Absolutely not. Whitaker has now what it takes, and with the experience, having been in there, the mask is off, no more Medusa, I know what I'm getting into because I've already been here once, Whitaker has what it takes to get to, to, to minute 18, to minute 23, to all five rounds, he has what it takes, 
And if they do go to all five rounds, I would expect that Whitaker's even going to win a round. So Whitaker just needs to do what I'm saying he's going to do, but he needs to do it three times instead of one, right? I mean, there is definitely a path to beating Adesanya. But that's not the name of this segment. This segment is an official prediction. I'm putting the curse on Izzy. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast each and every Wednesday and Friday, and also for subscribing to my YouTube channel. I'm off to Houston to watch the fights in person. I can't wait to get there. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the fights. And I promise I'll be back on Wednesday to talk about it all. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.